0: Hello and welcome to the events podcast, where we talk each week with event professionals about how they plan, promote and run their events. Whether you're running small meetups or large conferences, exhibitions and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. The podcast is sponsored by our ticketing system, EventsFrame, and we develop this system after running 300 plus events with my company, Apps events. And we had an endless search for an amazing and cost-effective ticketing and attendee management system. We've tried everything and we designed EventsFrame frame to be super easy to use with the best discounting options out there. You can embed tickets in your own site or use a simple event site builder. And new for December, we have email integrations. We have almost every email marketing system out there. So we integrate with Drip, Mailtrimp, Zapier, MailerLite, Infusionsoft, Aweber, ActiveCampaign, and many more. And if you're a paying customer, we'll even help build an extra integration if you don't see it. If you send me an email at dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com, with the subject line podcast, I'll send you a special discount code. So on to the interview. This week, I was delighted to talk to Corbin Ball. Corbin is based in Washington State and the west coast of the US, and he's a really fascinating guy. He's had a long career in the events industry, and he's a, he's a globally renowned expert on meetings technology. So all the kind of technology, hardware, and software that goes into running events— He's a real expert and he gave us a lot of information about what the trends are and how to use technology to run a great event. He's also a really well-regarded speaker and consultant. So we also talk about how he built his career as a speaker. So this is interesting for anyone who's looking to speak at events. He, he gets into a lot of information about how he you know, puts a lot of information on his website, how he, how he markets himself and how he always over delivers to his clients. So, it's a fascinating interview. And I think whether you're looking at events technology or whether you're looking to speak at events, there's a lot of interesting information in here. So, over to the interview with Corbin. Hello, and welcome to the events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Corbin Ball, coming live from Washington. Uh, Corbin is, is a real expert on events technology, we've spoken a couple of times. He speaks at conferences all around the world. I've just been checking out his calendar and he's pretty in demand across Europe, the US and, and elsewhere. So really interesting uh, person to talk to. I wanna to talk to him about his background, about w- what he sees as the trends in events technology and also how to become a speaker because he's been very successful in his career as a speaker. So I know a lot of people are looking to do more speaking. So it w- would be great to talk about that. So hello, Cobin, how are you doing? Hi, Dan. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm doing fine. Great. Just to set the scene, Colin, where are you located? I know you're in Washington, but but whereabouts are you in Washington?
1: Actually, I'm in Washington State, and uh, which is most northwestern of the states in the United States. And I'm in the north, most northwestern tip of that. So I'm the closest city is Vancouver, Washington. Okay.
0: Canada. Yeah, I know I know I knew you in Washington. I've uh, I've been to okay. Seattle quite a bit and, and further south. I haven't really been much north of Seattle, but I know it's it's really nice up there. It's beautiful up here, yes. Great. So um just a bit about your background, Colin. Tell us a bit like what was your career and how did you get started in events in general?
1: Well, my past life was as a meeting planner, I was head of conference operation for a high tech association and we ran international citywide technology meetings for for 18 years, and engineering associations were the among the early adopters of technology. I had email in 1988. I helped uh, build one of the first association websites in 1993. At the start of 1993, there were only 130 websites, so it was early in the. Uh, in the adoption game with that. Uh, being immersed with, uh, it was an area of the optics, but I was immersed with technology and technology providers and really could see the impact of uh, how that would uh, affect society. And uh, In 1997, before the dot-com explosion happened, I, uh, I could see the writing on the walls. I could see that it would change everything, all industries, from farming and pharmacology, but especially events and trade shows and uh, so at that time I decided I would give it a try to leave my job uh, at this engineering association and form my own business speaking, consulting and writing, focusing specifically on events and trade show technology. So I was the first person to to do it and it's been a fun ride since then.
0: Great, so what type of events were you running? Was it conferences and, and kind of how many were you doing when you had the job? Large, complex, uh, we'd
1: run uh, 15 meeting, meetings a year, uh, five of them would be uh, 4,000 people and above, and the largest one is about 15,000 people, 2,000 speakers uh, using some of the largest facilities in the United States uh, and around the world as we did it internationally as well. So uh, uh, so yeah, lots of heavy-duty uh, meeting planning for city fi- uh, city-wide events
0: oftentimes. Interesting that sort of, just to sort of check on the terminology because when you say meetings, I mean, are you talking about, about trade shows? I'm always a bit because some people sometimes use the term meetings when they're referring just to like small booking a meeting room at a hotel or whatever, but sometimes it's used in the context of kind of trade shows and things. I'm wondering how you how you kind of use uh, the word.
1: I'm using it in the uh, umbrella term. It, it, this did include uh, it was a large convention and trade show with that, but it's uh, yeah, so I'm using the. Uh, in the broad term
0: how did you get started as as a consultant I mean it's all obviously you know I, I, I kind of did a similar transition and I was an employee then I became a freelancer and then started my own you know business but a lot of people obviously they're quite reluctant to leave a paycheck and security what did you have like clients lined up or did you just make the jump and then start trying to get people to work with
1: I started out contact, I
0: was quite involved with MPI at the time, I contacted
1: all the uh, chapter presidents that have this program on technology, which would like for me to come, and so that started it, and then one thing leads to another. The speaking, consulting, writing is really, they, they all support each other, it's a, kind of a three-legged stool that, uh, that you speak a lot, you get consulting jobs, if you write, you get consulting and speaking jobs, and so it's a, it all fit together pretty naturally.
0: Sure. I mean, is to most people. I mean, in terms of to, to make a living, do most people focus on the consulting or, or on the speaking, or do they, is it like is it like you say usually a combination?
1: I think it really varies. The speaking profession is there are some people that you know they just fully focus on, that. others. It's it, I think it varies a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's probably a good time to ask you because I'm curious. You know, I've, I've done a bit of speaking myself. Very much. You know. It's not something I've ever promoted, you know. I've, I've been asked through Connections to speak at some events, and I obviously, obviously run my own events, which I, I speak at. But I'm curious, for people, like, who wanting to get into speaking at, at more events, in whatever area of expertise they have, like, what would you say are some good kind of tips in terms of how to get started and, and how to approach the whole thing?
1: Well, first of all, you need to come up with a topic that is uh, that people will be willing to pay for it. So yeah. that's a... Uh, so you need to have... And that topic needs a... Burn in your belly i mean it's something that you need to be passionate about and hopefully knowledgeable about it as well once you've done that, and then i think that you uh, define what your niche is i i, I think that uh, you know for example if you're doing something on sales marketing you know you you know there are tens of thousands of people doing that and so it's a yeah, i think it's important to i think it's helpful at least for me is to define your niche and yep. and focus your audience with that and so that's uh that's what I did I I do speak to groups outside of the events and trade show industries but it's, um it's usually meeting planners that hear me at the one of their events, and they say, "Hey, you'd work well for our group as well." I don't actively target outside of that, out of my niche.
0: Sure. What What, what do you advise for people who are like getting started and they don't have any experience? I mean, do you, do you think it's a good idea just just to get whatever exposure you can, go and speak for free at events, go and help out with different things, things like that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's good. I, I if you're in the events industry, you know, we're really well networked, and there are lots of publications, and so. You know one way to get started if you have an inclination to, to write is to uh, contact the publishers and say you know I've got this article consider publishing it you you start getting your name out and and yeah. uh, and doing that uh, and hopefully uh, the trade-off for, for me if I uh, I actually write for five different publications now but uh, uh, when I was writing them for for free I would trade off is to be sure to you know put my picture and name contact information and a little bio about me at the bottom and that's and so it's just about promoting and, and getting your name out and that's a, that's you know a if you're topic. writing or, or if you write a book that's another one if you um, is to you become the de facto expert essentially and so that's that's one thing is that, and just and networking getting involved in the trade shows and You know, we are you know actively. For me, uh, I was actively involved in associations, MPI, and then PICA and National Speakers Association. And uh, you put the networking out, and it's you know all that stuff raises your profile, and uh, you, you really want to become sort of the top of nine presence if you are when you think of a particular subject uh, subject in a per- particular niche and so yeah um, that's been my strategy
0: great interesting you talk about getting articles published I guess another benefit now is pretty much all of these publications I imagine have online presences so obviously if you set up a good website uh, you're going to get inbound links from all these you know you can make sure they give give the link to your website as well so you'll get some good kind of SEO from from that as well
1: uh, absolutely and that's another thing I mean I uh shortly after i st- went out on my own about a year after i started my newsletter which now goes out to about 10,000 people in 70 okay. countries and and it is uh and that's been very helpful that is uh in and uh, that builds a website and so its content on the website and my, my philosophy is essentially uh i got into it uh, I started this second profession as a speaker and writer uh, and consultant in, in a way because I wanted to give back to the industry. I, it was important for me. And so I, I, my philosophy has been you know you, you reap what you sow if you give out it comes back to you and definitely, so yeah definitely. If, if you if you go to my website you know there are hundreds of free articles and tons of tools out there and it's a, uh, uh and it's really to help the industry and uh, uh and that comes back it, it it's come back you know uh, in full throat uh, back to me and 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 so it's been fun it's been a fun ride
0: that, that's a great idea of actually just subscribing to your newsletter as as we as we speak yeah it's interesting that's how that's Definitely, my philosophy. I mean, that's, that's why I do this podcast. I mean, this podcast is is great because I mean, I get to talk to people like you. So for me, it's great. I get to, I get to you know, speak to and, and network with some amazing people. But but it's all free content. I mean, you know, you've you've already said two or three great things which are going to help people. So it's all free, and and it's going to have a knock on effect. I mean, it already has. I mean, I've already had good connections from it. I, I think it's a good general thing. Whatever you do, whether you write content, whether you do audio content, whether you make YouTube videos. You know, just give as much as you can away for free. Don't be too precious about you know people copying your work and stuff. As long as, as long as they give, you know, I don't mind people recopying my stuff. As long as they give me credit for it, you know, give me a note. I'm happy for my stuff to get published anywhere, repurposed, you know.
1: Uh, I totally agree, and and you bring up a good point, Dan. Is that it doesn't have to be writing. I mean, there's, in fact, video is the new language of the web, essentially, yeah. and it's, people do that and and podcasts, and uh, there are multiple channels that you can get the information out. But you give out, and it comes back to you.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's getting more fragmented. I mean, you've got, I mean, obviously, Facebook content is is a huge now, which can, which can be written all video. I mean, Instagram is is getting big more and more. If you look at, you know, the event profs hashtag on 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 Instagram, there's tons of people doing doing stuff there you know because obviously the events industry is very visual absolutely it's just like you know i think the people i've seen being really successful have kind of really dominated one or two categories you know because you, you can't do everything you know it's it's good to get your content out everywhere but you know you can't do everything it's just not possible
1: yeah and it, it helps to, to i mean the social channels are important i think to, if you are a speaker or it's important that you are active in the social channels as well
0: yeah definitely do you, do you get the, the events where you speak do you get them to uh give you a copy of the video so you can post it on YouTube or do they normally want to keep that as kind of proprietary
1: I don't recall that happening in the, the last year but I have uh, done that in the past yes
0: great so so when obviously people, when people have started you know they've done some events for free they've written content they're starting to network like how do you approach it I mean do you do most of your bookings and things come from referrals, you do a great talk, or do you get a percentage for booking agents and things, or, or is it just a, a real mixture?
1: Virtually, you know, I'd say 95% of my bookings are either repeat business or word of mouth that have right. been referred. Um, I do a little bit with uh, speaker bureaus, but I have such a targeted niche that it's it's not broadly applicable to many uh, speaker uh uh, bureaus with that, so it's a, uh, um, so yeah, you it, get the information out. People, uh, my newsletter. I mean, when I send, I just sent my newsletter out. In fact, it's still cranking out right now. Uh, is, uh, uh, yeah, I always get two or three calls. Uh, it goes out every other month, and I always get two or three calls. And, hey, you're, you're on my mind for this and that. And can you do this? And so it's, um, you know, getting out and getting regular, and, you know, getting in front of people. Uh, one way, electronically, you know, through many channels, is the more you get out, I think, the more you get responses back.
0: Definitely, that's that's an interesting tactic you've got of sending the newsletter every two months, because it's kind of counter to what a lot of people are doing now. Everyone's kind of bombarded you with content, and I think it might be some sense in what you're doing in terms of like, oh, it's like I'll, I'll see Corbin's email, and it's oh, I haven't heard from him for a while. It must be. It must have really put some thought into this, because a lot of people, you know, you sign up for someone's software or whatever, and they just bombard you, and it's just too much, you know. And I think that you've got a different approach of kind of very sort of long-form. Just checking out some of your archives, you know, a bit more, a bit more thoughtful and, and, and less often.
1: Yeah, I think that there's. I think it, you definitely can send out too many. I, it, there, there are two reasons for schedule with that. Is just uh, first of all. I'm, Pretty much, I do have some a couple of support people part time, but it's a, uh, but it's pretty much a sole proprietor, and so it's just a, you know, matter of yeah. allowing the time to, you know, each of the, each of my newsletters has two or three articles, links to two or three articles, and then a lot of other things. That, uh, I- involved with it, and so it's. Uh, it takes a while to produce it. It is an income stream for me. There are sponsorships with it, and so it's. Uh, yeah. uh, but it, uh, you know, I just don't want to overload people's inboxes. I, I think that you can, it, as long as you kind of keep out there on a semi-regular basis, and then you know, all the uh, the publications that are right for as well. That gets my name out, and and then active in the social channels and so forth. You, you know, you don't need to be. Uh, you know, my full-time job is not a blogger. My full-time job is doing these other things, and uh, but it's a good mixture, a good thing to add on. You know, my newsletter blog as one of my means of getting the information
0: out. Definitely, what, uh, You mentioned the publications. What would you like? Like, how would you rank like the main publications and, and uh, of, of kind Because of, I'm always, I'm always checking out new ones. I'm curious what you think are the most, in, most kind of, you know, useful ones to be to be reading and uh, and maybe writing for.
1: Uh, well, I I write for Meetings Today uh, and also North Star Media, which does uh, successful meetings, and there it does uh, it. I provide articles for them, and uh, they distribute through there through their private channels as well. Uh, and then I write for Association Meetings International, so uh, CAT Publications in in London, and then uh, regularly my articles appear in. Uh, a Polish publication and an Italian publication as well. Okay. So it's, but you know, so those are some of the ones that are at the top of mind, but I think that i look at all of them. I mean, uh, successful meetings, meetings and conventions magazine, uh, convene from PCMA, the meeting professional from MPI, you know, there's good content flowing around all over the place. Uh, Great. Uh, event marketing, I think they do, do a good job of, you know, posing from that part. Uh, Hospitality today, from the hotel industry component of it, I, I I track a lot, and then I also track a number of listeners as well.
0: Do you actually subscribe to the, the actual physical copies of these magazines? I'm curious. Or do you just pretty much read everything online nowadays?
1: Pretty much more and more so online. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's easier, faster. Uh, you know, I I can get a quick glance of what's happening and on in and what I'm interested in.
0: Yeah. Great. So just to finish off your kind of speaker tips for aspiring speakers, I mean, you've got I really like your website, how you've got a you've got a very good FAQ. This is Corbin Ball, C O R B I N B A L dot com. And um you know what I've noticed, like some some speakers are like they're really they're almost a bit too brutal, and you're, you're very casual and friendly. You're very, hey, you know, if I if I do expenses, it's going to be low, and I'll fly coach, and it's very like engaging and friendly. Because you, sometimes the speakers can put FAQs, and it can be kind of like, I demand this fee, and I have to fly business class, and I have to get this, and it's and it's and you've got a good tone, which I think is good to copy, which is like, you know, you um, it's just very helpful, and you know, and I guarantee 100 percent refund if you're not happy with my with my session, which is that's going to give people a lot of confidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, again, it's, uh, there are a number of routes I could have gone in terms of speaking. And uh, uh, the one I chose, the you know, target audience of meeting planners, they usually are used to getting speakers for free because it's such a good audience. And, and so it's not the, if I was, money was driving it, uh, you know, it's nice to make a living with it. But if money so, driving, it probably would have gone other routes. But I, I feel passionate about the events industry we bring people together We make the world a better place and so I, i've i kind of targeted it uh, in, in that way I, I i think one of the rule key rules of the speaker is don't be a prima donna as well you know ex- that you, yeah. you know that it's you're there to help and support and uh, and uh, i do my best to do that
0: yeah that that is actually almost exactly what i think i was actually just chatting yesterday to a guy chris rob I wrote a really interesting guy who, you know, runs mass mass participation sporting events. He has a conference for that niche. And uh, you know, he was saying the same thing about working with speakers. And some people just become, they get one keynote and they become an instant prima donna. And, and I've seen that as well in the events I've run. And, and the people you want to work with are the people who are super helpful. And, you know, they turn up and, and, and like, they, they, help, they see that you're having a problem with registration. They help out with that. You know, they just jump in and do stuff. And people like that, it's like, it's like gold dust. You'll work with them any day of the week, you know?
1: Yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. What would you see, like jumping back to the sort of the big picture, like in terms of the events industry, like what are the, before we talk about specifically about technology, like what are the main trends you've seen in terms of the events industry? Obviously, I mean, it seems to me there's more and more events generally, it's, it's more crowded, but what, what kind of, if you, what trends would you identify as, as as kind of big ones in your in your career of, I guess, 20, 20 plus years now?
1: Uh. Well, what's happening right now, I think, is uh, one of the key things is uh, the ability for integration. Uh, uh, the major players of major tech companies, the technology, event technology providers are um, buying other uh, it's consolidation, acquisition, consolidation. So you have Cvent and you know, they just bought social tables. You have a venture formerly touches that just bought ITM, and they're, you know, they're adding to their portfolio portfolios by buying additional companies. Um, but and they're working on and then trying to integrate it. And they're working on integration. But the other approach has been these uh, new um, cloud-based companies that are smaller that they do a particular. Uh, component of it it might be registration or it might be marketing or it might be abstract management or logistics mm. and they uh, uh but they're built from the ground up to be interoperable they have strong uh, published uh, APIs, application programming interfaces, so they they can share data back and forth. And some of them you see, for example, Event Tech Tribe is coming together as a consortium of different companies, but designed to work together. So integration is one of the key things uh, out there, is the the technology is getting to the point that uh, um, you can share data among different programs or with these large ones as well. And so it's it's that... that data becomes is a really important factor it's a it's the attendee journey the what you can collect on site now is much much greater than it ever has been in the past it's uh, the uh, ability through you know social media postings and activity on a mobile app and beacon technology and there's a whole range of uh, you know really every step of the uh, uh, of the way it can be tracked. If you know what sessions an attendee is going to, um, what exhibitors they're visiting, how long they're spending at each of those booths, which is helpful to the attendee. You can get a diary of what's happening. But it also helps, and for exhibitors, because they, you know, if you're they're really interested, if you stood in your booth for 20 minutes rather than walking by, you're more interested in the product probably. Uh, but it's also helpful for the. Uh, event manager, show organizer, is uh, that you can get a really clear picture of what people are interested in so that you can better provide services on an. Uh, on an aggregate level to improve the event to see what people are interested in, where they're going, but on an individual level to be able to know what that specific interest of those individuals are and then, uh, you know, target the communication better to them regarding what they're interested in. Data collection and analytics uh, are a really important part of that as well. Also, just the effect of mobile technology, uh, mobile event apps, but a whole range of other Technologies that are happening on site that improve the experience, streamline the experience, make it more personalized, and so there's, uh, you know, there are new ideas mushrooming up every day in the events industry, and yeah. it's really an interesting time to watch.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, I know that with our system, you know, we've got a registration system, events frame, and actually we just we've just launched uh, this week. We, we've got Zapier integration, Salesforce integration, and then email integration with all email marketing tools like. Active campaign and mailchimp and things like that, and, right. and it's and we want to start having interview like exactly what you're saying. You're talking about people having smaller systems that integrate. So we need to have integration with the scheduling applications. You know, there's there's a bunch of them, Attendify and Shed and all these things, and then right. and then all these other ones. And and it's you know I think it's it's changing from you've got obviously the all in one systems like i guess Bizaboo and and there's there's loads you know some of which some of which are great event, and for some people they go down that route and then some people want to just pick a bunch of different things and the, just as long as they link together i think
1: that's right i mean that's and before you couldn't do that i mean it, it, not as easily as it is right now the cloud based systems are built at their core to be interoperable and yep. multinational you know they're, they're, this stuff is sort of automatic these days and so it's a it's much easier to do now than it was even three or four years ago
0: yeah so i mean we, we had a talk before but i'm curious just for the for the listeners that, you know for someone like, like myself for example someone who's got an, a startup in in the events in the events area you know some software or you know a hardware solution or whatever what would you say are the good uh, events to be at you you talked a bit about the one in barcelona this month what, what would you say are the are good places to go and meet you know potential people you could work with
1: the big trade shows that have emerged are IBTM, that's happening in two weeks in Barcelona, IMEX Frankfurt, which uh, um, is also a very large show, and then IMEX America. Um, those are ones that are, uh, uh, you know, the center of the world in terms yeah. of event planning are there for that the weeks that or the three or four days that those happen. And, uh, also, I, I think in the U.S., uh, uh, the uh, convening leaders from PCMA happens every uh, January, MPI's annual meeting it usually happens in uh, June or July, and uh, IAEE uh, is, uh, uh, is, if you're especially interested, it's, uh, it's trade show exhibition focused, uh, but it also, there's lots of technology there, I try to go to that one, and then also, uh, I, I, if you're, from an international perspective, it's, uh, it's happening, I didn't make it this year too, for ICA, it's happening right now in Dubai, uh, is also, uh, has been well, a very a, good what job.
0: Was, Which was the one in Dubai, sorry?
1: It's ICA, the International uh, Associations of Congresses and Conventions.
0: Oh, okay, great. That, that's an interesting one as well. Yeah, there's yeah. one. I saw there was one in London uh, this month. I was going to go to it, actually. I forgot the name, but I was, I was just too busy event live I think. event live it yeah is. yeah exactly yeah, that looked yeah. quite interesting smaller event but, but still interesting
1: Te- very technology but t-
0: technology focused yeah yeah exactly yeah, I think pretty much 100% um, technology focused um, what about Asia I mean obviously, Asia is booming uh, like crazy for, it, for the whole meeting industry like are you involved in any events out there or, and do you plan to be in the future
1: yeah it was just a uh, month a month and a half ago two months now uh, in uh, Sarawak, Borneo. So yeah, it's there's even places uh, such as Borneo. They have a a beautiful convention center there. uh, A lot of interest, uh, high quality. uh, um, You know, it was a high quality event. And uh, I've recently spoken, you know, all all over uh, Asia as well. Australia has a very active events community. Uh, I'll be speaking this afternoon in a webinar this afternoon. um it'll be in the morning for them for a a group in hong kong and simultaneously in uh, australia as well so yeah there's a lot there's a lot happening in those spaces and uh, certainly china is the uh, you know awakening giant that is uh, there's a lot of potential for uh, for events there
0: yeah great well um i think that's pretty much everything i wanted to cover that was super interesting corbin and i want to thank you also, for getting up, I know it's like 6:30 in the morning, Washington State's time. So I, would, I really appreciate that. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Any any websites or links, or where should people go check you out online?
1: I think you can find all the information at Corbinball.com. Is uh, you know you can go from there, and there's there are a ton of free tools and articles. So it's it's uh, it's really not meant to be a commercial site, except for talking about my speaking services. But uh, it's really the major focus is to provide content.
0: Great, so I think everyone should check out the website and also sub- subscribe to Corbin's Tech Talk newsletter. So Corbin, thanks again. It was a real pleasure to talk to you and I-, I look forward to talking again. Happy to do so, Dan. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? EventsFrame Frame event ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result, you sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com.